Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And in today's episode, we are going to be continuing on with Solo Leveling Season 2. And if you guys haven't seen Solo Leveling Season 1, Episode 61, I highly recommend you at least watch or listen to that before moving on so you know understand the story so far. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah. So, if you guys aren't familiar with Solo Leveling, we did do an episode on, uh, it was episode number 61. But in case you are unfamiliar and for some reason you want to just jump straight to the season two episode, Solo Leveling is a South Korean web novel web novel written by Chu Gong, and it was serialized in Kakao's digital comic and fiction platform Kakao Page since July twenty fifth of two thousand sixteen, and later it was published by DNC Media under their Papyrus label, and this was since November fourth of two thousand sixteen. The novel has been licensed in English by Web Novel under the title I Only Level Up, or Only I Level Up. The Webtoon adaptation has been serialized in the Cacao page since March 4th of 2018, and it was illustrated by Jeng Sung Bak, uh, aka Dubu, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that name. I'm not good with Korean pronunciations. And this is the uh, CEO of Reday Studio. It's the first season. Uh, its first season concluded in March of March nineteenth of twenty twenty, and its second season resumed August first of twenty twenty. The individual chapters collect uh, collected and published by DNC Media into three volumes as of July of twenty twenty. And solo leveling has been translated to many languages by the way of fan translations. And we can only thank those fans because, well, I guess English, it did get its uh, serialization. But I'm glad those fans tra fan translations were successful because it probably helped branch out solo leveling and made it as popular as it is. It's seriously such a good manhwa. I, be I believe that's how you pronounce it. And if, if you guys haven't read it, it is seriously so great. Um... It's probably by far one of my all-time favorites, and I remember waiting week after week for this to update, and oh, so and then you got me involved, <laughs> and then I had to wait week after week. Although when you got me involved, it was it was fairly close to the end of season one. It might have, yeah, it was fairly close because I remember yeah. waiting for season two, and I'm because they had a gap, and I'm just like, oh my god. But yeah, it was fairly close. I wasn't as invested as you were since the beginning. But, oh, my God, it was still so frustrating. I'm just sitting there waiting week after week, and I would actually be at work, and all of a sudden I would get a notification that it was public or posted. I'm like, oh, looks like I'm taking a five, ten-minute break real quick. <laughs> yeah, I think I started when it was, like, in its 60s, the chapter, so not at, straight at the beginning, but, like, somewhere around. Close enough. Yeah, around uh, chapter 60-ish. There's a 179 chapters, I believe, and then, yeah, there's gonna be, like, there's more, like, side stories afterwards, but there's 179 chapters. 
But yeah. So so you you waited around for like over three years <laughs> following this shit. Yeah. <laughs> but if you haven't seen our season one episode, Solar Leveling is about the appearance of portals known as gates connecting the world of monsters to human. A small portion of the populace has acquired superhuman powers to defend against the monsters. The protagonist of this story, Sung Jin Woo, is a member of the lowest rank of hunters and is the weakest hunter in all of South Korea, barely stronger than a normal human. One day, he and some other hunters find themselves trapped in an extremely dangerous and rare dual dungeon, and only a few of them survive and manage to escape. Sung Jin Woo himself dies, but managed to complete all the trials in this dungeon. He then wakes up in a hospital and finds he has turned into a re- reawakened player who can now see an interface showing him quests, stats, inventory, store, and levels, along with the unique ability to grow exponentially stronger. Sung Jin Woo begins on a quest to become the strongest hunter in the world and uncovers the mystery of the world of monsters. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so since we are in season two, we've learned quite a bit along the way, and there is still a lot to be uncovered. And oh, I just loved the adventure of learning about these monsters because we don't really know a whole lot at the end of season one, but this season, like this season two. Oh, you learn so much. And that's one thing I absolutely loved about this season. Yeah, season one left you with such a cliffhanger because they, I believe it's at the end of season one, they showed the first remnants of the other monarchs. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we always just theorize everything because they literally don't give you answers until it's, like, like everyone knows. Yeah, until, like, it's become, like, knowledge to not only the protagonist but like other people so like you learn as you go like you learn with them and i think that's what made it so great yeah this manhwa made it very they created this world really well i believe so (laughs) attack on titan for example doesn't give you enough time to process things before revealing the truth and revealing answers this one gives you a little bit of information and they hold on to that they dangle it like the like carrot in front of you like just trying to lead you on you're making all these theories you don't know the answers and they give hints throughout the way just little things here and there and they do it so well that you're constantly just trying to figure this out things change your theories change and it's not until the end where they do the big reveal and my god, I think they did a really good job with that. Especially like the whole system. There's an actual meaning behind the system mm-hmm. and how it did. It's like, oh, wow. Like, it actually makes sense why he has this now. So like, it wasn't just a gimmick for the the Monwan. Like, there's a reason behind it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess let's get into it, and then we'll start to learn some of these reasonings. So last we left off with uh, Sung Jin Woo. He was going to meet Norma Selner, who lives in America, as something called an upgrader. But 
something is definitely off during their interaction because she is able to peer into kind of the power level, power ability of hunters, and she's actually able to upgrade them to a stronger rank. So it's a very unique ability, and it is a very um, privatized ability. So the U.S. is kind of hoarding this. They're using it as incentive to get strong hunters and upgrade them so they can have a really strong guild. Seems like something America would do. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is a really cool ability, and they invite Sung Jin Woo over kind of to try to incentivize him, get him over on their side, because they already took a hunter from Korea, South Korea, and upgraded him, and they want another one because he is a very formidable hunter. So this doesn't really go quite as expected, though. Because she peers into Jinwoo, and all she saw, saw was darkness, which is kind of a little bit of a, a foreshadow into his character that I wasn't something I really pieced together. Like, I knew it was something to do with his ability, but there's definitely more to it than that, which is really neat. Um, but luckily, this doesn't really sour their relationship. So she says, like, I can't upgrade you, but your potential is, like virtually limitless and it kind of freaked her out and she but he took it he was cool with it he's like whatever like it's all good but after the interaction he did end up going back to korea he didn't stay with the guild but when he goes back to korea he actually decides to make his own guild and he does this with the help of his little sister in naming it and he establishes the ajin guild at first it seemed pretty easy um, but they actually needed three founding members in order to establish it. So as he was looking for his third member, Cha Hain, I don't know if that's actually Cha Hain. I, I assume that's how you pronounce it. She offers to join and although he doesn't really outright refuse her join like approval to like to join, he basically does refuse her cuz she is associated with another guild. And I'm kind of upset cuz I thought she would be a little more important of a character. Like, she has her moments, but, yeah, she wasn't as important as I expected her to be. So, one thing concerning that, from all the comments I have seen, she does play more of a role in the novel. Uh, That's kind of what I assume. Yeah. They probably had to cut out a lot. Yeah, because it was more... fit it. it. Like, let's take SAO for an example. She is similar to kind of like Asuna... Imagine mm -hmm. SAO, but without them going to floor, I think it was like 22, the whole cabin thing. Oh, right. If you take that out, then it's like, oh, she was only kind of there when there was always trouble and she always wanted to back him up. So, that makes sense. That's actually, yeah, that's a pretty good. So uh, what's missing is basically that portion. Yeah, that makes sense because I did feel like there was something that wasn't quite right. And then I did know there was that novel. So I assume they had to cut out some fluff because they make her seem very important. And they have this relationship. Like they have feelings for each other. I, and it's like, they don't play on it. So I just definitely assumed they were leaving stuff out. Yeah. I'll mention more at the end about that, but I'm glad it didn't go into like a whole like romance thing, but I definitely think there should have been a lot more like them 
coming together more or even her helping because they did put like a very important on her and like her special ability of like her smelling and how mm-hmm. she couldn't have a scent for him and how that was common with all the other like monsters and stuff like she knew he was like special in some way or form i do kind of, like you said i do kind of wish she was a little bit more involved in the story but a little more relevant yeah so as for the actual last founding member because he didn't really want anyone that has ambition or desire to actually be a hunter <laughs> since he he mainly created the guild so he can get into be an up rank gates because in order to go to either be a s rank you have to be in part of a guild he decides his last member to be Yu Shuhan, who is a famous model and Jinho's cousin. Also, if you guys don't remember the names, a quick reminder. Cha Hain, as we kind of mentioned, was the girl who is the vice guild master of the Hunter's Guild. She has that smelling like thing where... Um, she always has She's the, the Tanjiro of solo level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jinho is the D rank person that had like is the basically the money bags of the Ajin Guild that but he's also like a pretty good close friend as um well well I kind of forgot to write it down, but I will mention a portion of this that happens. Um but that's her cousin. Um his cousin, sorry, that they get to join. She was a little reluctant to join, thinking it was a scam, until she met up in person with the Sung Jun Woo, who has made himself pretty famous as of late. And then she eagerly joins, even requesting to take a selfie, which drew a lot of attention, and he had to deal with numerous reporters watching as the Ajin Guild did their first raid. Yeah, he's he's getting pretty famous. He's <laughs> starting to get a little more difficult for him to hide. <laughs> yeah. Um so after performing a few raids, he gets a notification of a dual dungeon or a double dungeon, similar to how he had it in the very beginning. And actually, um it's the original dungeon that he did find in the very beginning, the one that actually awakened his newfound abilities that turned him into a player. And now he gets to go back where it all started. And his goal is to learn what the meaning behind the system is and what it means to be a player. So when he gets there, he warns a team that is actually already there to head back out and request backup as he delves in alone. We see some very familiar statues as this time the big guy was not the true mastermind. So... We learned the true mastermind behind it was the statue that was holding the rules, and he is named the architect. And now this kind of commences this large-scale battle between uh, Jin Wu and the architect. And it's pretty intense because up until now, Jin Wu didn't, he didn't have a whole lot of really hard times with monsters. Like, there were some times where he struggled a little bit, and... He was able to use his skill and his uh, uh, smarts to outwit them. This time he actually struggles a little bit. So this was a pretty intense battle. Sorry, I ate an ice cube. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, not to mention for this battle, he actually couldn't even use his inventory nor his summons. He had to fight. Oh yeah, that's I forgot about that. Part. Yeah, he had to fight fight only with the equipment he already had and the skills he can use himself, like his stealth skill and I believe it was called like Dominator's Touch, something close to that. Mm -hmm. And of course, at first he seems to overpower them easily, like the regular the other statues. That was until the big guy came, but. He has some uh, a little grudges left over from the last time, and even he was no match. He did get like bruised up pretty well. This was like the first time you, like you said, you, we did see him struggle. But this now where he truly starts struggling is when he fought the architect, the architect himself, and this time though he sent his mind elsewhere. Meanwhile, while all this is happening, the Hunter's Guild was notified of where Jinwu was because of the party before, and now they are rushing to help save him. And when they do reach the Double Dungeon, even some people from the Bureau, the Hunter's Bureau, came and saw the statues this time. Because if you watched our first episode, they were skeptical because when they visited last time, there were no statues to be found, even though every survivor told them about the statues. Yeah. <sighs> so now the Hunter Guild and a few members of the Bureau are fighting the statues while Jin Wu is stuck in a daze and they are trying to wake him up. So this is a pretty intense moment because people are just getting slaughtered by these statues. Like they are getting wrecked. And Jin Wu is kind of in a trance and it's so frustrating <laughs> to watch this play out but from Jinwoo's perspective he was watching a vision of the past between the shadow monarch and the rulers and an all-out war that a single monarch was basically able to handle almost single-handedly it was this crazy battle between the gods essentially and this is where we learn of the origins of the shadow monarch and how he was able to or how he was once one of the protectors of the absolute being. And this was a monarchs versus rulers type of scenario. The rulers were slowly winning the war, and that was until the shadow monarch finally joined and brought balance to both sides. But balance never lasts very long. And, oh, I just loved learning about this. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those moments where you're starting to uncover things and things start to kind of come into place and make sense. This was just one of those times where it's just like starting to get satisfaction from the long uh, mystery of what this story was and what it was going to develop into. Not to mention, I think one of the best things like this handled so well is, yes, this was a big information dump. But it was all about the past and almost just like setting up the origins and never really gave you anything about the future or what was going to happen. Like there was definitely a lot of foreshadowing and everything, but nothing outright said this was what's going to happen. It literally was like, this is the power of the Shadow Monarch. This is what peak, like the peak performance was going to be. So you inferred that this was what he was going to control, like th be this powerful. But nothing 
outright said anything about him being the Shadow Monarch. It was literally just the origin story of everything. Of why... I guess it didn't even really tell you that the reason why monsters were coming from game... I, I can't 100% share because I... I don't believe it, it mentioned that yet. Yeah. It just more mentioned what the rulers and monarchs were and why they were fighting. So, though it was a big information dump and you got answers, it didn't give you all the answers, but give you more clues to find out the answers. But like you said, the balance of the war didn't last very long. And that's because the Beast Monarch and Baron, who, if you guys don't remember, was the... He was... Also in Monarch, but he was also recreated as the Demon King on the 100th floor. They betrayed the Shadow Monarch, the original Shadow Monarch named Ashborn, and attacked him. Though Ashborn was able to easily defeat both armies and even kill Baron, that's why the one you see at the Demon King is only a copy, he had to retreat due to the extensive losses of his Shadow Army. Once he withdrew from the war, the rulers were able to seize victory as the other monarchs were forced to go into hiding. Shang Jin Wu was able to witness this and finally got to meet the famous Ashborn, which she gave him, which she offered him a deal. You can spend your life here in this illusion world where he would have his family and even his dad there and forget everything, or he can go back to Earth that soon to face annihilation. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me, honestly. Like, if it's going to face annihilation, shit, just lock me up. I don't want to deal with that. But, actually, I probably would be like, no, send me back because I'm a power-hungry <laughs> freak, so. <laughs> like, hold on, I get to be strong and be out there? I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to go back to a weak guy. It'd be lame. So, Sung Jin Woo always, he really always wanted to protect those who were close to him. So, without even even needing to think, he chose the latter option in returning back to earth back to his real world and he received the mana heart which gave him over 10,000 mana that you know certainly was a nice present seeing that I can't remember his original amount but it was a much larger pool so once he returned seeing that there was this fight going on between the architect and the hunters guild he immediately helps fight the architect and when the creator of the system was about to die he threatened the system or he threatened the system would go away and Jin Wu was able to override his authority and actually kill him and retain all of his powers so this is kind of like a fuck you moment <laughs> where the architect or the creator kind of uh, seemed to have lost control and this was just the beginning of a large amount of things that were to come. So, yeah. Oh, God. It was one of those superhero moments, though, when he came back and he's just like, oh, shit, my friends are getting fucked up. Let's turn this up to 100. I'm about to, about to whoop some ass. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think it might have actually been 100,000 and not 10,000. Because I feel like at that moment, he was already at like 12,000. So I think it was actually 100,000. Yeah, I think you might be right. Now that I'm like... Either the, way, he got a large-ass sum of Yeah, because that was the thing the architect didn't plan on. Because that like 
Manohar also had like the essence of the Shadow Monarch, so he thought his mind would get eroded pretty much, but he didn't. He was able to conquer it pretty much, and he's like, uh, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> oops. <laughs> Big oops on him. Yeah. <laughs> but not long after that, an S rank portal appeared in Tokyo. And Japan currently tries to find anyone who is able to stop this and is forced to enlist the help of Yuri Olaf, who was a Russian S-rank hunter who specializes in support magic, specifically in barriers, who was also a very arrogant prick who told him that they had to pay him $10 million a day to keep this barrier up. And while this was all happening... Another incident was occurring in America. Another S-rank hunter and national one, national level one at that, Christopher Reed, was found killed in his home. This is when we finally got a peek at the killers to be the monarchs. Though, at the moment, not much was really known about them. Oh, man. Yeah. One, the fact that Yuri Orlov was just a huge prick. I hated this guy from the beginning. Like, he was such an asshole. Such a douche. Oh, can't wait to talk about what happens to him. Um, and then Christopher Reed. That was, like, one of those things where he got wiped out, like, easily. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, who are these people? This is about to be intense. That was the surprising thing was that not only was he like an S rank, he was a national level. Like not mm -hmm. all S rank are national level. So that gave you like a glimpse at their power and to find out that he didn't even like scratch one of the intruders that just puts you at a whole nother power level. Yeah, absolutely insane. So after that, we go back to Orloff now when the S-rank gate ends up breaking, he attempts to make his barrier, but it immediately gets shattered in two by a giant coming out. And when he tries to recast one, a different giant sweeps sweeps him into the air and swallows him whole. And he kind of deserved it. I did not feel bad for him at all. So after the devastating destruction of the gate... Uh, or after the devastating destruction, the gatehead Jinwu decides to intervene and help out. Um, with his new shadow army, he is able to take down the giants without much of a problem, and he even like added them to his army. So he's just getting so strong. He's building it up, and it's it's getting pretty sweet. But that is not even the most important part. Um, it's when he meets another monarch. And this is the King of Giants, Monarch of the Beginning. And he was chained down, and he tries to get Jin Wu to release him, and he said that he would actually serve him. Ultimately, Jin Wu refuses this since he is a monarch, and he basically knows he's probably lying. And he kills him, closing the S-rank gate. And this was one of those things where we start to, again, peek into who these monarchs are, what their strengths are, and kind of what is going on here. 
And I mentioned this in the first episode about how I love the main character, how he actually has wits and wasn't like always naive and everything. And this was another instance where I feel like if it was your typical like shonen thing, he would have released them. They might have helped each other for one battle. And then it's like, oh, then he inevitably betrays him. And then it's a whole nother like ordeal. But this time he doesn't. Jimu Dima give him that chance. Which is he actually uses some he has like had this like power he can do that forces you to not be able to tell lies and he even said he would serve under him if he freed him which wasn't a lie but i forget how he he it was very much like wordplay but like you mentioned he eventually was like nope i'm just gonna kill you too much of a risk factor yeah yeah, it was one of those things. I think it was he'll surf under him, but he, I think it was something like he wouldn't care about the casualties involved, or he, he doesn't have a true allegiance to anybody. I don't know. It was something like, yeah, basically he would hurt humans because he doesn't give a shit about humans. Yeah, he... and Sungwoo was just like, no. Basically, when he said he would serve under him, it basically meant like, yeah, he would help kill the rulers and the monarch, but he didn't care how. Yeah. But once that was over and everything kind of got settled, now was time for the International Guild Conference. And it's it's being held since they know something bad is about to happen. Sung Jin Woo attends as Korea's representative when there are mixed reactions to him, especially when they reveal one of the prime suspects for what is happening around the world is to be his father. And when asked what would he do if he faces his father, who may or may not be a monster, he replies, isn't that obvious? As a hunter, if he's a monster, then I would kill him. But however, if he truly is my father, I will kill anyone who tries to harm him which causes the entire hall to become <laughs> speechless. Which, if that doesn't scream badass to you, yeah, it's like, who else would that? He's talking in front of, like, leaders of the world, essentially, and he's just like, yeah, I'll fuck all of you up if you try to touch my dad. <laughs> yeah, he essentially <laughs> and he, declared and he's war. Like, and I can do it. Yeah, he's like, I can do it, too, because I'm stronger than everybody in this room. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we move on... Uh, I kind of forgot to put it in there. I won't say it's not important, but there was an incident, if you remember, way back in the beginning, when he, that S-Rank Hunter you actually mentioned earlier too, that was originally in Korea that went to Mm -hmm. uh, America. He was there, the Guild Conference is held in uh, America. And so he was there and he... Thomas Andre, the leader of the Scavenger Guild, told him specifically the, I forget his name, the guy that wants to kill Jin Woo. Oh, yeah, he was like, um, Hai Dong. Or yeah, something. something like that. And he's like, make sure, he's like, Thomas was like, I don't care what happened between you, don't touch him when he's here. But of course, he wants to get revenge for his little brother, so he goes and tries to hunt Jin Wu by attacking his friend Jihon. I, I think that's how I, I keep forgetting that if I'm mm. pronouncing his name <laughs> right or wrong. But 
evidently they get into a fight where Jin Woo easily overpowers him, but then Thomas Andre comes and they have a fight, which was pretty freaking intense because at mm-hmm. that point, Thomas Andre was regarded as the number one hunter in the world. And Jin Woo not only beat him, he sent Thomas to the hospital and Jin Woo was fine. <laughs> yeah. That was such a badass moment where it's like, oh shit. Because there was always this kind of tension where, like, at least in my mind, I'm like, who is stronger at this point? Like, what would happen if they did fight? And they gave it to us. They showed us. Which was honestly amazing. Like, and I really like his character, Thomas, because he had the power and he was, like, arrogant, but he was, like, Arrogant and more... I don't even know if it was really arrogance. It was more... He just had confidence. It wasn't arrogance. Mm -hmm. He had confidence because he didn't strut his power. But, like, there was a thing where they... Him and a few other people made a bet of if Jin Woo would live on Jujutsu Island, a thing. And when they all, like, jokingly made a bet, he went up to him and was like hey, you betted whatever, so where's this? And everything. Mm -hmm. Like, he has his overwhelming presence. But then also here, you see he cares so much about his guild because he was more worried about his guildmate's life after this fight was over. And when he realized, like, none of his guild lost a life, he was grateful to Jin Woo, who he was just fighting and even reconciled and kind of had, like, a... I don't, I don't know if you would say friendly relationship, but they, it was, I guess, more respectful relationship between the mm-hmm. two. Yeah, he, he respected the power he had and the ability, uh, he respected the power he had and the amount of restraint he had while handling his, like, uh, his guild members. Yeah, and I that, know. yeah, that would probably be exactly, like, perfect for his thing. And I just really like the Andre character because, like, he had this immense power and yeah, he had the confidence, and he kind of bossed a little bit around when he wanted to do something, but he never like kind of like openly flaunted like uh, the Hung Dunbei. Or I, uh, his name actually, I have it up. It was Huang Dong Su. Huang Dong Su. Yeah, where he was just straight arrogant and bull used his power to like bully others. Where Andre was like. He had the confidence to do whatever he wanted, but then, like, he was strict with him when he was like, you better not cause any problems and whatnot, and he was very protective of his people, so I just really like that, how they were able to portray him as a character with what few chapters we kind of did see him appear in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Really liked that interaction between them and, uh, yeah, it it gave me a lot more respect for Andre too because I don't know in the few interactions he did kind of seem arrogant and I'm just like all right he's just a power powered up meathead but after those interactions I'm like okay I actually really like this guy yeah being part of the scavenger guild with Huang Dun um, I thought for sure that he was going to be like arrogant as well but that was not the case it was just everyone always has like one bad apple. Exactly. 
So, on the last day of the conference, the Monarchs make another move when the Frost Monarch goes and attacks Gol Gonghee, the chairman of the Hunter's Bureau. And this is a pretty big move. At least, it... I mean, it, the move is very different in terms of what the monarchs are doing and probably what the humans view this as. But the fact that they went after a chairman, the monarchs don't care if he's a chairman or if he was a regular guy. But the fact that he was the chairman of the Hunters Bureau, that's like a huge thing. Like that would send the world, like America, in a frenzy if like we someone just assassinated the president. Like a strange monster came and just, boom, dead. So, that's a huge deal. And at first he fights evenly with the monarch, but it seems old age really has come for him, and he gets fatally wounded by the frost monarch, but not after using his remaining power to blast a hole in the barrier that was keeping, or that was he was trapped in to let Ant-Man, <laughs> the ant manages to get out and uh, warns Jinwoo what was going on, and this caused the Frost Monarch to retreat before Jin Wu was able to come and save the chairman with the Holy Water of Life that he used to save his mom. Or, well, he came to use the Holy Water of Life that he used to save his mom, but the chairman refused to. Instead, he asked him to side with humanity in this upcoming war against the monarch. So I didn't know this at first, but... I knew he was, like, the chairman was an S rank, and he was powerful. That's why the Hunter's Bureau still had, like, authority, even though guilds were kind of, like, being more authoritative. But according to, like, a few fandom things, he was the second strongest after Thomas, Andre. So, he had, yeah. Wow, I did not, I did not know that either. Because apparently him, Christopher Reed, were two people of seven that had, what is it called, remnants of the absolute being. So they were supposed to be vessels for him to descend to Earth. So that's why they were so powerful. But yeah, according to a few things, he was the second strongest. I don't know 100% that's fact, if it's ever stated somewhere, but yeah... So that also, put, I want you guys to put into perspective of how powerful these monarchs are. Yeah, I'm curious. Did you end up reading the novel? or I did not. I want to, but I have not yet. Yeah, I, I assume it's probably in the novel when it goes into more information and stuff. I'm sure it probably has a little bit. Yeah, I'm probably going to at least read the novel when it comes to... Because at the end of the manhwa, it said there's like 27 side stories and epilogues. Holy yeah. shit. I did not know that. I Why did I not see it's that? It's at the very <laughs> end, like the last oh. panel. And oh, so I want to read those. <laughs> I want to know more of the yeah. epilogue. I, I did too. <laughs> so before getting too sidetracked, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the Frost Monarch aware of the Shadow Monarch's presence and how he could easily deter their plans, Three of them, Frost, Beast, and I'm going to butcher this name so bad, Kreishia, decide to launch an attack in Seoul to lure him out. Though first, Thomas Andre, who until Sung Jun Woo became a hunter, 
as we mentioned, was considered the number one hunter in the world, face face off in a 3v1. Unfortunately, he was really no match for the three monarchs as he was easily beaten, but brought time for Jin Woon to come having to fight a three-on-one as he was able to hold his own, but he was actually killed once again by the combined forces of the monarch. However, they failed to make sure he was truly dead as he was frozen in a block of ice by the frozen monarch. It was too late when they saw Jing Wu begin to become the true shadow monarch because when they went to attack before his awakening, they were stopped by his father. And before that, I would just like to mention, um, for those of you who might not know, the act of him dying is what allowed uh, Jin Wu to become the true shadow monarch. Because in order to control the power of the shadow monarch he had to basically become one with death so that was a huge moment that basically Jin Wu had to uh, endure that he didn't he didn't actually know this was going to be the, the thing he had to do to un- awaken the full power he just happened to come across it by getting overpowered for once or for a second time I guess if you're going back to the very first episode or first uh, chapter. But yeah, so this allowed him to awaken the full power. And then we get this whole reunion of his father. He finally come makes his appearance and came to rescue uh, Jin Wu as Jin Wu assimilates this power of Ashborn. Yeah, so Jin Wu needs time and his father sees this opportunity and is basically steps up and says, I'm going to basically stop these people from preventing this power-up. So once he finally did, he was able to kill the other three monarchs without much of a problem. And before facing his father, who also seemed to be fatally wounded. Though the moment is brief, after seeing him for the first time in 10 years, he doesn't harbor any grudge since he always thought about his family the entire time. So this was a pretty touching moment, and I'm sure... The novel is much more touching because it was only a few chapter or a few pages of this little interaction, and it could have been more, but seeing that it's probably short on time and stuff, they had to kind of wrap it up. Could have been extremely touching, but I'm glad that Jin Wu actually got to see his father, let him know that there was no grudge, and they were able to reconcile one last time before his father moved on forever. So... Now with his full powers of the Shadow Monarch, he prepares his final fight against the remaining Monarchs and, I'm going to butcher this one, Antares, Antares, the strongest of the Monarchs, the ruler of dragons. And this is where the the Manwa starts to really pick up speed and it is the final climax of the entire series. And yeah, it's it, it starts rolling real quick shit hits the fan yeah it definitely kind of picked up the pace but i feel like it's also a reasonable pace because mm-hmm. of the they kind of like set it up for this because of the desperation of the other monarchs so instead of almost like doing a filler arc of like the other monarchs preparing for war it's like they already prepared for this so they're like all right we need to strike now 
while he mm-hmm. like just got powered, like there's still a chance. Like it's actually reasonable for them to attack now instead of waiting and like getting for him to get another yes. power up. Yeah, don't let him get his. Like basically, it's like if he does have the full abilities now, don't give him a chance to use it. Don't give him a chance to figure out how to use it, and definitely don't let him build his army stronger, yeah. because he has all those shadows, and now he can basically control them without any restrictions. So yeah, it like you said, it is realistic for them to just full on attack because it's their last chance. And I did like the reunion between him and his father, even if it was only a few panels. It was like everything that kind of like I feel like what a father and son thing would do. Yeah, because sure. he's always cared about his family. Like the reason why, even when he was the weakest hunter, he kept going into dungeons was to help pay medical bills for his mother like he's always been a family man and when he finally met his dad at first he really did kind of had a grudge against him but when his father told him what happened and how every day he thought of him he couldn't hate him anymore he was just like as long as you cared about your family that's all you're my father right and they like it wasn't a like crying moment but it was a very satisfying Mm-hmm. And it's like one of those things where I feel like Jin Woo also knew he couldn't be mad. Like, he was angry that he was gone for 10 years, but he couldn't be mad because it wasn't his fault because he was trapped in the gate. Like, it was one of those things where it's like, he can let it slide. He didn't do it intentionally, type of thing. Yeah, where he still obviously had some. Like, he's like, you were gone for 10 years. Do you know how painful it was without you? But then at the same time, he's like. Why would you think I hate you? You're still my father. You still th- you still thought of me as your son. So it was like that. So it's still very satisfying to yeah. read. And it's definitely something you need to read <laughs> to get the whole to get the whole emotions behind it. But agreed. now with the monarch's plan is to open numerous gates around the world because right after this happened there was like a s rank gate in like every major city around the world but what they actually did was all come out of one in canada the first wave hit pretty hard and numerous lives were lost however jin Wu already came up with a counter plan and had his army waiting nearby they were able to deal with the Iron Body Monarch and Yogumont, who was the Monarch of Transfiguration. And he was able, the Shadow Army was pretty much able to fight them without Jinwoo being there. Instead, he landed Antares away to an island in Japan where the two of them could fight without harming anyone. When the battle first began, it seemed like Antares was too strong for Jin Wu as the battle slowly turned into his favor. However, what he failed to realize is that he was just buying time. He was caught off guard when Jin Wu was able to summon the rulers to earth and he killed him and they were able to kill him on the spot, ensuring the victory. And I believe one of the phrases Antares did was... You were, uh, you did this. You already had this planned out. That even if you were to lose the battle, you would win the war. Yeah. So I actually did not expect that ending. Um, 
when it happened. Like he summoned them and I was just like, Oh shit. So that, that was his plan. All right. Yeah. Kind of threw me. Yeah. Through. Cause at the, when you were watching it, this was another instance where he was actually being overwhelmed and he was like, he had the powers of the shadow monarch, like the true powers and everything. But like you said, they attacked him before he could really figure out and like learn what the true powers were. So even though he had the powers, he didn't have the experience that Antares did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while the war is basically over, the story doesn't end there. Because the rulers knew of the gene, the deeds Jinwoo had done. But uh, so after they realized this, they're like, all right, so we can give you some sort. We have to give you some sort of reward for what you've done. And he replies that he wants the cup of reincarnation to turn back time before the double dungeon occurred. And they're kind of reluctant on this. Because they're like, that's I mean, it's over you don't have to do that and his explanation is kind of like i want to prevent anybody from dying from any of this ever happening because too many people have already lost their lives and they say like if you do this no one will remember what you've done you'll be a nameless hero like kind of in the chat like you won't even be a hero because nobody will know that you just saved the entire world whereas at least now you can get the recognition that you deserve and he doesn't care. He just he wants the lives to come back. He doesn't want anyone to die. So they agree, and he does this. And he actually fights all of the monarchs in the dimensional gap, and it took him 27 years to do so. But luckily, only two years have happened to pass in the real world. So while he was gone for 27 years in this rift, his at-home life was normal like only two years have passed so that was kind of nice he didn't have to lose that many years of his life so the rulers congratulate him on his deed and as we get a final look at all the people who had died they are back living their lives as young i think they're basically children at this point they're young children kind of just living on and none of them are the wiser to what has just happened while uh Jin Wu was gone for 27 years. But only two I'm going to say, well, actually, only two years in our world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, none of them knew at all what he did. None of them even know who he is. All those relationships he built as a hunter, as the strongest hunter, all those relationships are gone. He is starting fresh. And yeah, nobody, nobody knows. And the dungeons no longer appear, I believe, because those were all from the monarchs trying to get through the world so. yeah because that was when yes. norma the fortune teller person was letting everyone know uh something bad was going to happen in two years or whatever and when two years when the gates first appeared that was when mm-hmm. Jin Wu came back and so a gate did appear but it was just for Jin Wu to come back and not the gates oh, yeah, to yeah, come that's right because he stopped it, obviously. Which, I mean, she wasn't wrong. Something terrible did enter the world. The, and it was just the mom. Yeah, because she did say death was going to come. And technically, mm-hmm. she was right. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. So before we, I start discussing more, because it's part of the question of the day, I'm going to read that out while 
then we can go into some discussion. Question of the day is, are you satisfied with the ending? And so one thing I want to immediately discuss is I saw numerous comments about them saying how this was not how Sung Jin Woo's character would have ended it or like how the ending didn't fit his character or that they also wanted to see him fight in the dimensional gap because it's mentioned when like when he first became an S-rank hunter that he wanted to stay in dungeons because hunter needs to hunt and he enjoys it well one major thing is we already saw him fight the monarchs yeah that would be kind of a, a redundant part of the manhwa i think it would just be very it redundant. would been because he his strategy would have been the exact same his army to overwhelm the other army and eventually fight because if you really want to know what happened in there, they kind of already showed you it when you saw the rulers versus the Shadow Monarch. That was basically what was going to happen. And the whole fight with Antares at the end, like maybe, yeah, it would have been nice to see that fight since we saw him get overpowered in the first half. Maybe if we saw like the last bit of the fight would have been nice because when he did the couple reincarnation, all the Monarchs regain their memories so they knew they died at his hands they knew what had happened and that was one of the things that the rulers were like hey just to know this is what's going to happen so not seeing him fight for those 27 years i think it's fine it would have been a very hard to show what it was like because he was there to kill all the monarchs it would have just been army battle after army battle and it's like how much can you do that to where it yeah, wouldn't be that w- stale. Yeah, it wouldn't be that enjoyable. Because at least for the regular portion of the manhwa, we got our battles were broken up with actual interactions with people. There was conflict with without fighting. There was just verbal and and there was tension. Whereas if you saw the fighting at the end, it just all would have been action. There would be no real tension because he was going to win all of them anyway. There was no real suspense of, is he going to get this? Is he going to lose? Because you know the end is Because he already had the powers still from that time. So yeah. he was already... The only person who could have had a fight with him was Arteris, whatever. Yeah. So exactly. like I said, if anything... It would have been nice to maybe see at least like the final half of the battle, maybe not the beginning, where it showed them clashing and then stop. Like maybe it showed the actual the concluding of that battle. That would have been maybe nice to see. But other than that, I don't see why I would want to watch him defeat the other whatever seven monarchs already when he already we already see them fight each other. So it's like, why are you dissatisfied with that? The other thing. Completely. The other thing that really bothered me was like, it was not in his character because now he has nowhere to hunt or like why or it's not a befitting character. Again, he was the weakest of the weakest hunter. And the reason he did that was to protect his mother and sister. Yes. The whole thing, the whole time he is 
always did everything for his family. To get the holy water, he got yeah. stronger to beat the demon lord. When his sister got attacked in the school, he decided to protect not only his sister now, but the neighborhood. Because he's like, I need to protect not only this now, but where my sister lives. Then his... Then he started making friends kind of with other hunters. So then he's like, oh, Korea now is what I must protect. And and yeah. with more interactions and more interactions, he's like, all right, now I must protect this world. And I think that 100% fits his character because he has been solo this entire time. Like he's always fought with just him in his shadow army. So him going to Dimensional Gap to fight by himself, how is that not in character? If anything, that fits him to a T. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, yeah, he was always a son and a brother first. He was a hunter second. The hunter was purely his job to be a good son and help his mother recover. All of his motives has been to protect who the people he loves. And then as he's growing in power, he realizes he doesn't only need to protect them. He can protect more people, as you said. Oh, now it's Korea. And then he starts getting stronger. He's like, now it's the world. Like, he is solely doing this to protect. Even when he was making the Ajin Guild, he needed, um, I forget his friend's name, the uh, billionaire one. He needed him to create the guild, which he did form a friendship with him. So there is something there. But... He was not a critical part in the dungeon. He was more the administration and, and ref- finance. Yeah. And he refused entry of his um, girlfriend, basically. I don't actually remember her Cha name. Cha Hai. Yeah, Cha Hain. So he refuses her entry because he doesn't want to get her involved. He wants to do it alone because he wants to protect as many as he can. If she got involved, she would just be in more danger. I completely agree with you. Everything he did was for protection. It wasn't because he liked it. He wanted to help. And then, like, I meant... I mean, he might have started enjoying it once he started getting powerful, but that still wasn't who he was at his core. Yeah, because when Jin-Hu... Jin-Hu... Sorry if I'm butchering his name. His friend got captured in America. He went and killed the Hung Dae-in. God, I I forget these names. Hung Dong-Soo. He killed him because of what he did to his friend. He's been very protective of all his friends. And then the fact that mm-hmm. people are like, use the thing where um, where he mentions hunters belong in the dungeon. You, you do realize like literally before he says that in his own thoughts, the reason he didn't join the Hunter's Bureau was because they normally get C to D rank things and he needs to go to higher dungeons to level up to protect his family. The reason mm-hmm. why he hunted was to protect. And then at the even at the very end in the epilogue where he even says that now without this power there's would be no meaning, but then he's like I will find a meaning in this meaningless life. It's like the whole ending fits him to a T. I don't understand how people are like, "Oh, this is not in character. I'm like, did you even read it? His <laughs> whole thing, first, like we mentioned, protect his family, then protect his friends, protect his city, protect Korea, then went to the world once he got more and more involved with other hunters and he wanted them 
And that's why he went back in time to protect everyone and do everything by himself. His whole thing has always been by himself. He raided by himself. I don't understand how people mm-hmm. think it was unfit of his character. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's in the title. Exactly. <laughs> the only part that's not solo is that, like, his shadows, because they did have, like, a conscience that they followed him. So... Yeah, but at the same time, they were still his lackeys, and he received that ability because of the nature of how he did things. So it really was he was still solo because he was just basically a commander at that yeah, point. So that, just that's why I'm just like, oh, was unfit of his character. I'm like, what are you talking about? I think that fitting ended <laughs> to a T of what he wanted. Yeah, but I also, okay, secondary question of the day. If you disagree with us, if you do think it was unfitting of his character, I would like to know your arguments for it because I love to see like people break down arguments because maybe some of the points we made weren't convincing to some people. So I'd actually like to know if other people um, have something that we said that's like actually and can counter us. With instances. Like we're pretty we're pretty set in stone with how we think, but if you can com- have a convincing argument, maybe we'll uh, we'll talk about it in another yeah. episode. And one thing, I guess these are kind of like facts for you that I didn't write down because I mm-hmm. would these are more like comments and stuff, so I don't know hundred percent credibility. But according to the novel, so this is probably part of the side stories and epilogues that are set to be or is already released or whatever but sung jun woo and cha heen do get married so oh, yeah shit. cool so i don't he manages to he knows all the facts about her and he talks to her and he's like listen i know your entire <laughs> life Man. i mean at the very end like one of the last panels it does show him mm-hmm. when he was in that ice cream shop it just so him running out to Chahan, Chahan, and she turns around and like, and they like stare at each other. Like, somehow I know you. I feel like she would get that vibe. Like, for some reason you yeah. feel familiar to me or something like that. So, yeah, there was definitely a, like a hint of they're gonna have some sort of relationship, whether it be um, romantic or just friendship. It was kind of hinted. Yeah. Right so, there. like I said. Not 100% certain on the credibility. I did not get to read them yet because I was still looking for them to find, like, but every time it just kind of kept bringing me to the soul leveling manhwa. And I'm like, yeah, I already, I've already read that. I'm I'm trying to learn more. (laughs) So I don't know the 100% of that credibility, (laughs) but yeah, apparently they do get married, which if it does, I'm actually happy because I do think they would actually make a. Great couple. But I think that's about it for me. I kind of got what I wanted out of the way. Yeah, I think that's good. I don't have anything else to add. So I think that'll be it for this episode. So don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weepswan. And of course, don't forget to show... uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weepswan, and you can contact us at weepswan at gmail.com. That's it for us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weeb spawn.